Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word, and we thank you for uh, the place that you allowed us to be together, and we ask that you would uh, pierce our hearts with understanding of who you are and what you want for our lives. Lord, we respect you, and we love you, and we honor your name now. Amen. So today, I want to go over a proverb, Proverbs chapter 30. If you want to turn there in your scripture, that would be a good place to follow along. I'll also have it on the screen. Proverbs chapter 30. And this is a proverb that can be set apart from the other proverbs around it. I want to tell you about a man named Agur. Agur, Agur. We don't know a whole lot about this fella. The only place that we read about Agur in our Bibles is in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30. As a matter of fact, he wrote this chapter under the inspiration of God, of course. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. King Solomon wrote most of Proverbs, some would say all of Proverbs, except for chapter 30 and 31. And 31, um, King Lemuel is credited with writing, and some even say that King Lemuel is actually King Solomon. Not sure about that, but it's kind of neat that uh, the one proverb in the book that is, is written by someone else is by this fellow named Agur. And another thing about Agur's proverb, chapter 30, is that I believe this is the only chapter in the book of Proverbs that includes a prayer. So that's kind of neat. Proverbs is a book that is full of, of nuggets of wisdom, uh, one-liners or uh, two-liners that... Uh, give us just a little bit of wisdom that we can apply to our lives. And God chose Agur to uh, write this book and and inspired him to write this and even include a prayer to God. Pretty pretty cool, actually. Now, Agur is one of those guys who likes to write and teach with numbers. Do you know one of those guys, you know what I mean? They're like, okay, well, the first thing you did wrong is this. And the second thing that you could have done different is this. Or, or they're like, there, there are uh, five things that you've got to watch for, and then they name the five of them. That's the kind of guy that uh, Agur seems to be. In his prayer inside of Proverbs chapter 30, he says, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. And now, more on those two favors in just a minute. He also gives five lists of four things in this chapter. Five lists. Each one of them have four things that we can learn about. Now, today we're only going to discuss one, but there's a lot of wisdom packed into this chapter. And so I really, really encourage you to go home this week and read about it and learn from it. Right now, we're going to go through the first nine verses. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verse 1. 
The sayings of Agur, son of Jacob, contain this message. I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. Can anyone relate to Agur at this point? There have been times in my life when I have just been weary. I have been tired, not only physically, but in my soul, in my mind, spiritually weary. There have been times that I really could relate to Agur. This helps us understand that, hey, this fella is human like you and I. And the things, the feelings, the struggles that he have, has can apply to our lives as well. Verse 2, and I hope that these verses, these first verses, pull us into understanding. Verse 2 says, I am too stupid to be human and I lack common sense. Can anyone relate to this one? I can. I can. Man, at, uh, at Men on Fire this last week, I was telling the guys about a time that, uh, boy, I really felt like this. And I, I think I've shared it before, but there's some new folks here, so I, I better share it so that you don't feel so bad about yourself. Um, one time when my uh, wife was not, uh, not very happy with me, and I can't remember exactly what I did to make her um, not happy, but uh, she was upstairs in our new house that I just built. It was probably only six months to a year old, our brand new house. And so I thought I would make her happy by bringing my horse in the house. So I had the horse in the house, and I convinced her, hey, Jess, come and look at what I've got downstairs. I think this will just get her. You know, this will, she'll be automatically in a better mood. As soon as she pokes her head down the stairs, halfway and looks down. Of course, the horse takes a big old poop right in the middle of my living room floor. Instantly, within seconds of that happening, there was a knock on the door. We had guests. Praise the Lord, it was uh, Miss Becky that had came over. She helped us clean it up. But in that moment, I was too stupid to be human. I had that thought, <clears throat> how could I be so not smart? Now, kids, here's a warning. Number one, don't take your horse in your house. Uh, number two, this is probably not the best verse to memorize and to quote to your friends and family. I mean, this is a scripture, and it is inspired by God, but it's not the most, uh, the, the most, the best verse for expressing how God feels about you, and we'll get to the bottom of what this verse means. Um, verse 3, says, I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Now, I believe through these last two verses that Agur is trying to communicate the same thing as Paul when Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, which we studied a few weeks ago, several weeks ago. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. And Paul said this. And it's not 
that Paul ranks number one on the worst sinners list. Although Paul previously probably was pretty close before he was saved. But it's not that he was the worst of sinners. And it's not that uh, Agur is the stupidest person ever. But rather it shows us that these two fellows, Paul and Agur, have humility. They recognize how they rank compared to God. He, God, is perfect, and they, or we, are not perfect. We just don't, uh, don't compare. And so, uh, just when you think that, uh, why in the world would I listen to this guy? He confesses to being the least smart person. I have trouble saying the word stupid because we didn't let our kids say it for so long. So least smart, whatever. He, he confesses to being not smart, and he says that, hey, I don't even know the Holy One. So why would we want to listen to this guy? Well, in the next verse, we begin to see his wisdom. Remember, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. God has the things in there for a reason. Verse 4 tells us who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down. Who holds the wind in his fists? Who wraps the oceans in his cloak? Who has created the whole wide world? What is his name and his son's name? Tell me if you know. Now, this verse, man, it really begins to draw me in. What is Agur talking about? He uh, says how unperfect, imperfect he is. He expresses humility. And then he starts leading us into some wisdom. But God goes up to heaven and comes back down. Now in the Old Testament Scripture, we uh, see instances where, where God, you know, the, the, the folks there, the Jewish, they didn't know where God actually resided sometimes. They were confused. Uh, you know, was He in the pillar of cloud? Or was He in the tabernacle that they built for Him? Or was He in the heavens sometimes? Or was He living in the, the forest or the place with them? Where did God reside? And so they, they wondered about that. They couldn't quite pin Him down to one place. But... Here, Agur says he goes up to heaven and comes back down. And I don't know what that makes you think of, but that takes my mind straight to when Jesus came to this earth when he was born. And he lived here a physical life like you and I. And then he died and was resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven, went back to heaven. And boy, I don't know if... Uh, if God has let Agur in here in on, on some serious wisdom, but it's possible. Maybe Agur has a lot of wisdom to share with us. He knows how powerful God is. He just holds the wind with his fists, and, and the oceans are a small thing to God because he's created everything in the world. And then he says... What is his name and his son's name? Does Agur 
know about God's Son? I mean, there's text in the Old Testament that, that kind of make us think that uh, this, this, you know, the Messiah will be the Son of God, but Agur puts it literally right here. What is his son's name? This gets me really excited. In the next verse, uh, uh, he says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. A shield. Every word proves true. Oh, the next verse. Do not add to his words or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. Where have we heard this before? Don't add to the words. Maybe your mind is going to Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone removes from any of the words from this book and of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. So, to put this into perspective, Agur lives a long time before Jesus came to the earth physically. And this text right here is um, after Jesus went back up to, uh, ascended back to heaven. And this verse is directly speaking to us. So, it's really neat that... Agur's whole chapter in Proverbs is just packed in a field with wisdom that we see throughout the Scripture, throughout the books of the New Testament and the Old Testament. He has a powerful proverb here. And then he says um, in his prayer, starts in chapter, or in uh, verse 7, So, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. He's very honest there. Help me to never tell a lie. This is a big deal. You know, we need to be a a person of our word and a person of truth. That's extremely important. Lying comes from our enemy, the devil. Jesus says, John chapter 8, verse 44, that he is a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar in the father of lies. Now, in war, guys, when we are in a physical battle, like uh, the Revolutionary War, or the Civil War, World War I or Two, we might learn tactics from the enemy. I know that, uh, I think it was one of the, one of the wars earlier on, the French and Indian or Revolutionary War, where, where we decided to adopt some of the tactics like guerrilla warfare. So sometimes we learn tactics in that kind of a, 
a physical war. But it's a whole different thing to learn tactics from the enemy in our spiritually based war against our enemy, the devil. We will never gain anything by using the devil's tactics. And his biggest and probably most effective tactic is lying. That's how he got us into this mess of sin in the first place. He lied to Eve by telling her that she wouldn't die. And he lied by convincing her that God didn't want the best for her. He is a liar, our enemy, the devil. Don't get caught up in using his method. Nothing good comes from a lie. Even when it's hard, it's always better to be a person of the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. In uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 2, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. It's impossible for God to lie. He just doesn't do it. Every word that he says is truth. He never lies. Let your prayer be the same as a girl's. Help me never to tell a lie and live in the truth of Jesus. Now the second favor that uh, he asks God is to be content. He says, Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Let us be content with just enough. Give us just enough. This is actually what led me to agur uh, for this week's message. I was reading over 1 Timothy to see if there was anything that I had missed or that uh, we needed to review. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 stuck out to me. <clears throat> In that verse it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Content. We crave stuff, guys. We crave more money to buy more stuff. We crave more time. We crave more pleasure. More, more, and more. And here's what Agur says about that in verse 15. He says, The leech has two suckers that cry out more and more. I hate leeches, guys. Ugh. <clears throat> you know, um, Agur is a number guy. 
We discussed he has lists, but he's also an animal guy. And he uses animals to get his points across. In this chapter, you'll find this chapter, verse uh, Proverbs chapter thirty. You'll find ravens, vultures, eagles, snakes, lions, male goats. Um, you have to read why it's a male goat, not just a regular goat. But the leech is perfect to get this point across. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes our desire is to suck the most out of life that we can and we do it in the wrong ways. We want more, more, and more. Instead, we should work on being content. What we really need to be is content, and what we really need to be content is wisdom. Now, one of Agur's lists consists of four animals that can teach us wisdom and contentment. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 starts us off. There are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Ants. They aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. Ants. You may not like ants, but they're better than leeches. Are you ready for winter? I'm not talking about, you know, winterizing your boats and your campers and draining your garden hoses and making sure that your uh, rain gauge is turned upside down or brought in. Well, my kids are little. Um, They would collect these little old-fashioned jars. We we have uh, on our back 40, there's some uh, old dumps. You know, back a long time ago, they didn't have a landfill, I guess, and so folks would just... Uh, discard of all their waste in, in a pile. And uh, so my kids would dig through that and they would find these little green jars and glass bottles and treasures. They, they treasured those little things. And so they would set them up outside in different places out back that they would set up a kitchen or something. And uh, inevitably halfway through the winter, I would find one of these spots where the kids had played and there was blown up shattered glass everywhere because it rained in them and then it froze and it just uh, blew them up. And so uh, after that, part, uh, when my kids were young, part of my winterization process was to go around and find all the glass jars and things full of water and dump them out, to turn them upside down. Are you ready for winter? And I'm not talking about November through February. I'm talk- what I'm talking about is is your faith built up and ready for anything that comes your way? You should have your convictions ahead of time. An ant's job is to survive so that it can make more ants. God's will for an ant is uh, pretty simple from what I can see, although I, I don't understand what an ant Uh, what an ant understands because I'm not an ant but God's will for us is to love him to love others and to carry the message of salvation through Jesus to the ends of the earth let me repeat that again Uh, we don't know what an ant's will is but I know or what God's will for an ant is but we know that uh, animals do what they do and they make more ants but our will from God, or God's will for us, 
his will for our life is for us to love him, to love others, and to carry the message of salvation through Jesus to the ends of the earth. So what do we need to do that? Well, honestly, not a lot. Now, you wouldn't think that uh, an ant is a very good example of being content. It's always storing up more food. You've seen a trail of ants. uh, They're just going back and forth and all the time carrying things. An ant's like one of the strongest little things because it's got something that's like ten times its body weight and it's carrying over top. And so they're always storing up food. But you know, an ant knows its job. And it's content to do that job. It goes and gets food, and it brings it back to the nest. Every day, all day long. Are we content with the, God, uh, the task that God has given us? Are you content with His will for your life? I want you to use the summer for all it's worth. When times are good, be working on your faith. Be building your faith so that when winter comes, you can use that faith because you're going to need it. Right now is the time to protect your treasures, to protect those things that you've stored up for heaven, not the physical things on this earth, this world, but your treasures in heaven. Protect them, guard them, and prepare for the winter. That's our lesson from the end. The next thing that uh, Agur tells us about is a hyrax. Now a hyrax, another uh, name for them is a rock badger or a coney. And I got to see some of these when we were in Israel. And I should have got a picture, but I couldn't find a picture of one. They are these little critters that... uh, they're about um, the size of a, of a small house cat. Um, they don't have anything outwardly special about them. They're not even an exceptionally uh, cute little animal. They're kind of an ugly thing. Um, they're gray like the rocks, but the hyrax, he knows where his security is. You won't find one of these little guys away from the rocks. You don't find them on the prairie. You don't find them on the plain. He knows where his security is. The hyrax is the enemy. The the coyote, or perhaps the jackal in that region, um, would love to get one of these little guys because they're soft and they don't have any uh, huge teeth or claws for fighting. But you know what? The jackal, his enemy, can't pull him from the rocks because the hyrax knows where his security is. He crawls down underneath the big, huge rocks and gets his protection there. He has to live in the rocks. That's where he's safe. Folks, our rock is Jesus Christ. I want you to be so close to him that you are content that nothing can get you. Have you ever had one of those dreams about a storm? 
you were trying to get to a, a shelter on time. And maybe I was just an overactive dreamer when I was a kid. And I think it was probably from watching The Wizard of Oz and the storm coming and trying to run. Auntie, Auntie, um, and get to the, the, the cellar before the tornado hits. And I would have these dreams. And, um, and it wasn't just from tornadoes sometimes. It was, it was running from um, um, spiders and, and things that would be trying to get me. And I'd be trying to get to the house, get to a place of shelter so that I could be safe. Listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, you can be sure that nothing can pluck you from His grasp. If we live under His care, if we live under His rule, which is just obeying His commands and living to His will, having faith in Him, and we won't have to worry about getting to the shelter on time. We'll be under His shelter. And that should give us peace and contentment knowing where your security is. Be like the hyrax and stay close to the rock. Verse 27, Agur's next animal is the locust. It says, they have no king, but they march in formation. Now, a locust, uh, they don't have the desire to go out and do it alone. They don't want to prove themselves capable of accomplishing extraordinary things by themselves. No, they stick together. One little grasshopper, man, he ain't nothing. He's just a little, little old bug. He can't do anything. But a million of them, they can and have destroyed kingdoms. We read in our scriptures about the hordes of locusts that, that come and, and destroy all the crops. And so the, the kingdom falls apart because they have no food to eat. Uh, we read uh, about uh, the, the plagues and we read about in our own history in this country, the locusts coming, the grasshoppers coming, just eating all the crops and, and uh, making people's lives in a whole countryside really, really difficult. They work together. Apart from each other, they're not much, but together they are mighty. Uh, Haddon Robinson says, you can have a personal faith, but you cannot have an independent faith. You can't be a Christian alone. Jesus surrounded him with disciples, surrounded himself with disciples. And he had uh, women to help out with his ministry. They supported him and did a lot for the kingdom of God. He sent the disciples out two by two, one with the other. There is power in community. Now, uh, another illustration that I've probably used before, but uh, I used to have a dog a long time ago, and um, his name was Fletch. And one time, him and I were walking out back, and I seen him run down the trail like he was after something, and he got 
a ways, a hundred yards up, and he jumped into a thicket of, uh, of bushes and trees. And I thought, boy, he's really after something because he doesn't usually act like that. And just as soon as he jumped in, he jumped back out with his little tail tucked in between his legs and started running back towards me. And as soon as he looked up and seen me, he stopped and he seen me and, remi- and reminded himself as me. And he turned back around and started heading that way right back into the bush as well. Um, just then I seen uh, two coyotes jump out of the bushes that were getting him. And Fletch, boy, he wasn't about to take them both on by himself. But when he seen he had me there, he was like, bring it on. <laughs> At that point, uh, when the coyotes realized, oh, we don't have him on the run anymore, um, and maybe they seen me. Coyotes, of course, were out of there, and he was hot on their tail. We have power in numbers. This is the example that the locusts give us. A grasshopper is content living in community, living with other grasshoppers. Are you content with the people around you? Hey, if you're not, well, the answer is probably not go find new people. It's understanding a common goal, and that goal should be God's kingdom. Are you content with God's kingdom? The next animal that Agur tells us about is a lizard. Lizards, they are easy to catch, but they are found even in the king's palace. Oh, sure. I mean, a lizard is easy to catch, although the lizards around here aren't so easy to catch. But these, the scripture says, you know, they're, they're a little animal and you can catch them, you can trap them. But you can't keep them from a king's room. No one can go into a king's room unless you're his wife or a certain type of trusted royal servant or a lizard. They go into king's rooms. When I was in Israel, my my wife and Bruce and I, um, we would stay in these little hotels and there was lizards inside. These little bitty lizards. And I don't know how they got in, but they were everywhere, and they didn't pose any threat. They didn't uh, scare me, but they were were everywhere. They could just get in to places, and you couldn't couldn't keep them out. Now, maybe you're an average, everyday person. Nothing special about you, you don't think. But if you have faith in Jesus... Nothing can keep you out of King Jesus' palace. Are you content with that? You have to resist the tendency to be like a leech who wants more and more and more. We have to resist that tendency. We have to be like the ant, to be content with doing what God wants you to do. And we have to be content like the hyrax, knowing that our security is in the rock, which is Jesus. We have to be content like the locust, working with each other. What, we, what can we accomplish together? Mighty things. We're working together for the Lord. We have to be content like 
the lizard, content with our home in God's kingdom. Oh, you might feel like a lizard now, like you don't belong in such a high place as heaven. But the truth is, is that the scripture says, those who put their faith in him are citizens of heaven. You belong there, and you've been made for his kingdom. Are you content with that? I pray that you are. And if you haven't made the decision to accept him and to live that kind of life of peace, being content with his salvation, then I want you to pray with me now. Lord, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for the words of Agur, for his wisdom. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that hasn't given their life to you, hasn't put in their 100% faith in you, God, that they will do that today. Lord, we know your scripture says it's as easy as, as asking God, asking you to forgive us of our sin, repenting, turning the other way from it. And Lord, for uh, accepting your love, a gift, salvation that's free, we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, but you give it free, God. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for the mercy and grace that you offer us. We ask that you give us strength to share it to others. It's in your name we pray. Amen.